Welcome to the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hey there, and welcome to episode 34 of the Cannabis 101 podcast. Thank you very much for joining me on the program. My name is Dean Millard, and remember, it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. And one of the things uh, we're going to talk about is uh, the cannabis tourism industry getting healthy, and maybe you might be seeing uh, wellness retreats across the country featuring cannabis. So we will be speaking with Wendy Forwell, the CEO of Cannabis Hotels, about that industry and how Canada compares to the rest of the world. David Wiley from Okanagan Z will be by for this week in Cannabis News. Uh, Miss Universe getting a cannabis touch and uh, some unfortunate news for Hexocorp. We've given Chris Ionson our educator, and what's that strain the week off? He was traveling, so we've given him some time to recover. And we will be celebrating Doug Wilson from Weeds, played by Kevin Nealon, and our cannabis character today. But of course, we got to start things off by finding out what's your groove. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Weed is awesome. is great. This is the bee's knees. So when I say what's your groove, I want to know if you're grooving with anything cannabis-wise. Uh, are you? Do you have a joint? Uh, do you have a bong? Do you have some edibles? What might be you grooving with? I am grooving with some Blue Dream from Tantalus Labs today. It really is a great uh, pick-me-up when I'm down. It's not too heavy, uh, makes me happy, creative, energizes me. So all of that good stuff I'm looking forward to. Uh, we've got a, uh, a little youngster coming to stay with us uh, for the next couple of days, and uh, I'm, I, I need my energy, so I'll have to have some Blue Dream on handy. So anyway, it uh, it's really uh, a fun strain for me, and it is definitely one of my favorites. So I'm going to get uh, my... Groove on. Very nice. Very smooth. And uh, I can't wait for that to kick in. It's also one of the strains recommended to me uh, by Lobo Genetics. And that is, if you are new to the show... Something very important. You can get a DNA kit with a 50% off discount when you use the promo code CANNABIS101 at lobogene.com. It is like having your own bud tender. Get the cannabis and your cannabis use tailor-made for you. It's pretty simple. You order the kit using the promo code CANNABIS101, all one word. You get 50% off. The kit comes to you, you do a swab, you send it back, you get a detailed report about how you metabolize cannabis, how it affects you, and what strains for particular situations 
will pair well with you. So that's lobogene.com. Use the promo code cannabis101, all one word, to get 50% off your DNA kit from Lobo Genetics. Like I said, it is just like having your own bud tender. Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Our cannabis question this week, and uh, we will have a Cannabis 101 podcast prize pack up for grabs uh, just for uh, anybody uh, who chimes in, uh, there are, uh, there are really no wrong answers in this. If you, uh, chime in and you, uh, give us a response to our cannabis question, you're in the mix for a cannabis one-on-one podcast prize pack. Last week, uh, we gave away a San Rafael pipe. And so this week we have an assortment of different things that we're going to throw in there. So the way to do that is hit us up on any of our social media feeds at cannabis at, sorry, at the cannabis one Oh one on Twitter at the cannabis one one podcast on Instagram at cannabis one one podcast on Facebook. And you can email us as well. And if you would like to remain anonymous, that is totally fine. Um, we will have to get your mailing information, but we will not make public, uh, your name. So you can do that by emailing us at cannabis one Oh one podcast at gmail.com. That is cannabis one Oh one podcast at gmail.com. And everything about the show can be found at cannabis one Oh one podcast.ca. Our question this week is what is your favorite cannabis infused meal? If you've had a cannabis infused meal, how did it go? Tell us, tell me about it. I recently just did this. I, for the first time, and I was, was thoroughly impressed. I've had edibles, uh, but I've never had a cannabis infused meal. And the Nomad Jeff, uh, put on a, uh, a little pop-up restaurant, uh, meal the other day, and it was delicious. Uh, there was asparagus, uh, there was bone marrow, uh, which is a, a first for me. Um, but it was, uh, it was very tasty. The salmon was great, and uh, me and salmon are have a strange relationship. I'm like Jules in Pulp Fiction. Remember Jules, Samuel Jackson's character? Uh, his girlfriend was a vegetarian, so basically made him a vegetarian when he was having a bite of that delicious big kahuna burger. Uh, that's me. My wife is allergic to salmon, so it basically makes me allergic to salmon. I can never eat it. She wasn't there this time, and I loved the salmon. It was really good. And then uh, using uh, a strawberry cream strain from Top Leaf, uh, the chef prepared strawberry shortcake as dessert. So it was delicious. I I enjoyed it. Um, you know, and and I would definitely do it again. Uh, so I want to know if you've had a cannabis infused meal. Tell me about it. Chime in on any of our social media feeds, or if you want to remain anonymous, uh, you can. Cannabis one hundred one podcast at gmail calm and we'll get together and uh, put together rather a, a cannabis 101 podcast prize pack as for what goes well with cannabis that is anything that pairs well with cannabis 
music is one thing. I love listening to music uh, when I uh, when I'm able to smoke a joint, or you know, especially in the summertime, you go out and sit outside with a little portable speaker and smoke a joint, listen to your favorite tunes. It's awesome. But I'm going full. I'm going deeper than just listening to music this week. Full disc- discographies. I the other day I tried to get through everything of Beck and I couldn't. Uh, I just ran out of time and I had other things I unfortunately had to do. But when you go from like disc to disc, you know, album to album with a certain band or artist, it's fun. I I love doing that if you have the time. I have a a, a playlist of Pink Floyd that I'm going to try to get through at some point when I have just in like a 16 hour span of doing nothing. Cause I think that's how much, uh, I think I have 16 hours of Pink Floyd on my phone. So full discographies is for me, album to album to album, um, while consuming cannabis. That's what pairs well with cannabis for me this week. I'd love to hear from you what pairs well with cannabis for you. And before we get to our uh, featured interview, uh, with Wendy Forwell, the CEO of cannabis hotels, I want to tell you about the legendary barbershop, 117th street and Jasper Avenue. They love talking cannabis while you get your hair styled. Ask for Morgan. She's my niece. Uh, she will take care of you. This is the Cannabis 101 podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Very pleased to be speaking with the CEO of Cannabis Hotels, Wendy Forwell. Wendy, thanks very much for joining me on the Cannabis 101 podcast. How are you today? I'm doing great, Dean, and thank you for having me. Well, I was, uh, I'm really interested in exploring all different industries uh, when it comes to cannabis. And, and cannabis tourism is one of those industries that uh, I think is, would you say, slowly growing right now? Absolutely. I would say that we're seeing growth happening, but it has been a, a climb. And maybe at some point uh, there'll be a growth spurt, as as we see in uh, teenagers someday. But uh, I guess maybe let's start with your backstory. How did you end up in the cannabis industry? What did you do before? Sure. Uh, so my background is actually in the tech space. Um, I'm based out of the Kitchener-Waterloo region, so we have a, a large uh, tech industry within the region. My uh, primary focus was in sales and marketing. And as um, I continued to age in the industry um, and move into the boomers area of living, I was also looking at uh, cannabis not as a recreational uh, tool, but more as a medical wellness. And for me, uh, when I needed to travel or when I wanted to travel for relaxation, it was important to me that I could consume cannabis um, on my trips and destinations that I was going to. So uh, it was with a group of, of uh, friends sitting on the patio porch at our cottage that uh, a big discussion started about traveling and, and being able to um, access cannabis while we're traveling, whether it be for medical or recreational uh, consumption. So that was really where the idea was born. And uh, that would have been a little over two years ago. And uh, we started our development of our, our website and, and moved into the cannabis industry and have been moving forward ever since. 
That's the part I really love is uh, finding out everybody's backstory, uh, because unless this is your very first job, you probably did something before the cannabis industry and that transition is, is always fun. Uh, by the way, you can find out uh, more information and, and, um, find some cannabis friendly hotels, et cetera, at hotelscannabis.com. So what is cannabis hotels? Sure. So cannabis hotels is a single source location um, on the internet that you can go to our portal website and you can access all of the destinations that are available uh, domestically as well as globally uh, for travel and being able to use cannabis on your travels. That could be from medical to recreational to infused dinners. Uh, we offer a wide range. There's tours, there's experiences. It's really where to stay, play, eat, and buy. Um, we want to give our travelers the ability, whether it's a business trip or it's for vacation, to be able to access the information that they need for that destination. It's something that we feel is growing organically, and it can be whatever you need it to be uh, for your trip and your experience. I think that's so important, um, you know, with legalization uh, for people to be able to travel freely in Canada with their cannabis and, and stay at um, uh, friendly places, um, cannabis friendly places. I guess, you know, you're, this, is, this is all very new to uh, so many of us with legalization, but maybe has, has, and we talked about it growing slowly, maybe where is cannabis tourism now uh, compared to when you started uh, cannabis hotels? Um, are you excited about the growth so far since you just, uh, you know, started into this brand of the industry? Absolutely. Um, if we look back to um, legalization in Canada, um, so October, um, a year ago, uh, we were very naive and, and new into the industry um, to the growth that we've seen happen um, and what we're seeing happening in 2020. Um, initially, a lot of our properties that we were working with, were they were small independents, um, tour organizations. We're now seeing the growth happening within the uh, larger um, national properties. Um, and, and that's something we're going to continue to see moving forward. I mean, we already have seen down in California, the maturity starting to happen in that market with lounges as well as restaurants. And, and that's going to continue to happen across North America um, as the consumers um, really request it and, and, and want that. And as well as the properties uh, looking at ways to increase their occupancy rates, looking at new ways to market their properties. What does being a cannabis friendly hotel mean? And I, and I, maybe does it, uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's up to each individual hotel to decide what, what their cannabis friendly is, but what are you seeing from these hotels? Are there uh, consumption lounges where you can uh, eat, smoke, vape? Or wh what does can being cannabis-friendly mean, do you think? Sure. Um, and just like you said, there, there's a wide range. And, and there's a wide range from the business owner right to what the consumer would like as well. So it, we're seeing uh, the properties that are going to um, allow you to have a joint out on a balcony. Um, that, would, that would be sort of... Uh, the basic, we're friendly enough that we're going to give you a consumption area or maybe the consumption area is 
outside in a designated area. Um, we're also seeing the other extreme where the entire property is cannabis-centric. So it will be um, in-room flower smoking. It will be vaping. It will be um, a full cannabis experience. Um, and, and really, the big, the big item with this is the fact that um, cannabis tourism is about the overall experience. It's not just that you're able to mm-hmm. um, have, have a vape in your room and consume. It, it's what goes along with that experience for the traveler. Um, and, and that really is where we're seeing a lot of the growth as well with the, the tours and the events and the different experiences that you can have while you're visiting a destination. So it cannabis friendly can be um, really from the being able to consume on a, a balcony right up to a full experience of where your days entail um, learning about cannabis. You're going on hikes with a cultivator, um, depending on what country you're in. Um, so it, it, it's really an exciting time in the industry because it's all being curated and, and explored and developed right now. Well, and, and it's nice because the, you know, the traveler can, can pick and choose. Well, okay, this place I need, um, you know, want more of an experience or, or this place that, uh, you know, simply has a lounge uh, outside a patio where I can smoke a joint right. is, is fine for me. So the, the, the traveler can can look at all the different options that are available on on the website and uh, and pick and choose what what works for their trip. Absolutely, and I think that that's uh, very important because you're going to have the can of curious traveler that mm-hmm. wants to to be able to um, go and learn about cannabis for the first time and experience it fully in the sense of an educational process. You're going to have the wellness travel traveler that wants it to be part of their wellness trip. Uh, to the business traveler that just wants to know he can consume while he's staying at a particular hotel. Yeah, it's uh, there's so many different, uh, just like there's many different listeners to podcasts, there's many different types of consumers uh, of cannabis. Now, how does Canada compare to other countries, um, I guess with the the amount of cannabis-friendly hotels or, or cannabis tourism in general, uh, I know you do uh, work globally and w- with some different countries. How is Canada stocked when it comes to cannabis hotels? Um, I would say that we're doing well um, in the sense that we are federally um, legalized. Um, it's still very early days for Canada. Um, there's still a lot of education going on within the tourism sector, a lot of questions being asked. Um, but we are seeing that movement, um, and we've been seeing that over the last year. Um, with hotels that are moving towards and in that direction. Um, in comparison to a, a more mature market like California, um, and, and every state and province has different regulations as far as what they can and cannot do when it comes to their hotels or can of tourism. So um, in, in a certain state or province, you may see uh, certain things happening sooner due to the fact of those regulations within that province or state. But, I mean, you could look at a, a state like California that has a certain level of maturity to the cannabis space where you're seeing um, more movement um, with some of the hotel properties as well as with the lounges, um, giving areas that people can consume when they're outside of a hotel. Um, those are all things that 
are, are still developing, but, but moving quickly. And I think Canada um, is in the, the ideal position because of our federal legalization to be able to um, excel dramatically in the, the Canada tourism space globally. I, I I wholeheartedly agree. I think, um, you know, we have an opportunity to really uh, kind of set the standard across the country. And you mentioned that, you know, some bigger hotel chains are starting to warm to this idea of, of being cannabis friendly. And, and you know, let's not forget that we're talking a lot about recreational, but on the medicinal side, there's a lot of people that need uh, cannabis. Uh, and and I, I would think, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but this would be right up the alley of wellness uh, resorts and things like that, where uh, you know people are going for relaxation, recharge, rejuvenate, and uh, you know I I would think cannabis could play a nice role in that. Absolutely, um, I was looking at some studies last week that actually showed that we're now looking at sixty eight percent of global travelers are looking for wellness um, travel destinations. So that that's and and that's continuing that growth. Um, uh, we live in in a world where our time is very um, filled with our work and and stresses of life. So uh, when you're going away to be able to sort of recoup, recover, um, and and then to add the the use of cannabis into that, um, that's a, a very growing trend in in the general tra- uh, travel and tourism. Uh, market, but I think it'll be also a key factor with uh, cannabis wellness um, and medicinal tourism uh, moving forward. So in this cannabis uh, legalization world that we live in, it uh, there are many strict mm-hmm. regulations. And you know I'm, I'm right. you know I would love to see us get to a point where those regulations are not there. Maybe someday we will be. Um, I would love it, but I'm, I don't want our country to rush it and, and get it wrong. Um, having said that, uh, they, they do sometimes make uh, working in the cannabis industry, um, I guess, just more difficult than other industries. Are there strict regulations within cannabis tourism like other areas of the industry? Right. Uh, so we do fall under services within the cannabis um, space. Uh, so we do still fall under um, any of the regulations that any other parts of the industry uh, fall under. So for our marketing, um, that would be one of the, we still have to stay within regulation on any sort of marketing that we're putting out and how we can uh, work with our destinations uh, to present that. Uh, that's in Canada. And then again, when we step outside into other countries, uh, they have, again, different regulations on, on how they can present uh, their destination. So it really is um, how do we make people aware of the services that are available um, in Canada tourism and, and how do we position that? And, and that's probably uh, the one regulation that um, industry-wide is, is, is difficult. But you're, you're right. We do have to get it right. Um, we've got uh, the rest of the world watching us to see what we're doing and, um, and, and they're learning from sort of where we move and how we move. Um, as we continue to roll this out, and, and that goes as well for tourism. Well, and it's um, it will be nice, hopefully, when um, the cannabis industry ca- catches up with some others. I mean, and I'll just use wine tours as an example. You you fly into Kelowna or the Niagara region, and mm-hmm. 
you stay at a, a hotel and you can go on many wine tours and you can go to the right. wineries and, and it will be nice, hopefully, where there's uh, licensed producer tours and, you know, to, and, and I don't know if there are already, but uh, tours that take you to different retail stores and things like that. It, th- that will right. be a nice um I guess, a uh, spot in the, uh, the timeline of uh, cannabis tourism when we catch up to that point, wouldn't it? Absolutely. Um, the farm to gate is, is mm. going to be, I think a really interesting aspect of cannabis tourism when you can regionally see the di- different growers, um, and, and purchase products the same way you would on a wine tour. Um, that brings a lot of, um, excitement and value into traveling and, and that's not going to be every consumer that has an interest in learning about um, the plant itself. But it's such a key part of what cannabis tourism is that I, I'm pretty excited about it and, and excited to see it rolling out over the next few months. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in Ontario, we're going to see that for sure. And, and that was the big thing we heard about. Yeah. Denver, you know, when, when Denver first legalized, uh, people were going there and going on these tours of, of just different stores. Um, now it's a little uh-huh. different, uh, it's a little different because we have stores pretty much all across Canada now, but for American right. tourists, that would be something that would be neat, a, a tour of, you know, four or five different retail stores within whatever area you're in. Yeah. And I mean, international travelers are, are they're curious. They, they want to see what, um, that space looks like they want to go to um different uh facilities retail stores um some of our retail retail stores um are are very informative and and teach about the plant while you're in the store Mm -hmm. um through some of their displays so and and it's very interesting because i've been to many of the stores um to see the the different environments uh, that you're going into and how they're how they're portraying that uh to the to the end customer so um, th- there are companies right now in, in Ontario as well as across Canada um, that are running tours. They usually incorporate that you may go to a few different retail locations mm. um, and they'll incorporate a few other things into that tour as well. Uh, that's uh, so important. Education is such an important thing, especially with so many new consumers mm-hmm. every day uh, coming forward. So that's, the, you know, the tourism, uh, literal tours of maybe some LPs is one way that cannabis tourism could have could evolve. Do you do you see uh, a few other things that could happen over time in this industry? Sure, um, I, I see cooking as mm. being um, a key component uh, in the uh, recreational and uh, wellness uh, tourism uh, point. It's we're seeing a lot of uh, chefs being trained in. Um, infusing when they cook, um, learning about the health benefits of the plant and, and how to incorporate that into edibles because not everybody wants to vape or to um, smoke. <clears throat> so it's a great way for them to, to use it recreationally and, and medically. Um, so I think that uh, hopefully one day you and I can be having a conversation about restaurants uh, mm. in Canada that are serving full infused meals versus where we're seeing right now that chefs are doing private events um, where they're hired by individuals to come out and and cook for them. I just went to one of those uh, last Sunday and it was the first time I had uh, eaten a cannabis infused meal that wasn't a a chocolate bar or a chewable or or anything like that. And I absolutely loved it. And I agree with you. I, I think that is going to be one of the biggest things where we're going to see actual restaurants and not just these pop-up events. 
absolutely. It'll, it'll be really exciting. It's, it's interesting to see how they microdose uh, different courses of the meal and, mm-hmm. and they teach you about the strains and the terpenes. And so it's, it's a pretty exciting industry. I, I, I totally agree. Uh, what about your thoughts on yeah. legalization so far? We, we chatted about all eyes on Canada. We want to get it right. And, you know, well, there are things, um, I, listen, I think there's things in everybody's industry that they would want to do different personally, but your mm-hmm. thoughts on our country's uh, quest with legalization so far. I would say that we're definitely moving in the right direction. Um, and I think that it's, it's a, a learning process for everyone involved from regulatory and government uh, right down to the um, end user uh, or end consumer. Um, it, I, I think there's, there's some areas that uh, we need to move on sooner than later um, as far as um, our place in in the world and and being able to showcase um, and and show that Canada is a wonderful country um, that is moving in this legalization that it's uh, that we need to be able to in some areas be a little more open um, about showcasing that. Um, but I think overall, I mean the the cultivators, um, the the LDLPs, the the retailers. Um, and as we see Ontario, we've had some issues with our, our retail locations. Um, that's being resolved now. Um, we're finally moved away from the lottery system, which was very difficult for a lot of businesses and, and organizations, but we're moving away from that. Uh, so we're going to see that transition happening as well in Ontario, which is very exciting. Uh, I, I, I can't agree more on, um, the, the progress that I think we've made. And the best part is that there's no stories about riots in the streets and, you know, that reefer madness mentality that unfortunately some people have because they're just not educated. And, and I, you know, I think we all in this industry, um, want to end the stigma as fast as we can. For me, that's normalizing it and education and talking yep. about it just like Absolutely. you would anything else. What about you? How would you lessen the stigma? Um, I think that really um, showcasing throughout Ontario and throughout Canada, um, cannabis in Canada tourism, Canada, cannabis wellness tourism, I think it, it brings to the forefront that when you're traveling and you're at your destination and you're relaxing, um, where you might have had a glass or several glasses of wine previously, um, that utilizing cannabis um, needs to be looked at in the same way. And and that uh, it, there's a lot of benefits. Um, it's a plant and, and the health benefits to your overall well-being mentally, um, as well as some physical components. and um, for that relaxation, I think that it's, um, it's important that we're able to showcase that it's, it's okay. It's, it's, you're not that concept of it's a drug, um, needs to be removed and, and, and it needs to be looked at for what it is or that it's a plant and, uh, and, uh, that you can definitely enjoy a vacation and, and, um, really, kind of experience things in a different way that maybe you haven't thought of before uh, with using cannabis. You were on the same wavelength because I, that's one thing I always say, I hate the word drug when it's referred to cannabis. Yeah. It, it, it is a plant. It's not, 
it's not manufactured like uh, cocaine or some of these other drugs. It's a plant that you hang and you trim and you use. You don't do anything else to it. Right. And and you're going to start seeing a lot of um, movement in the, I mean, we're in an opiate crisis globally mm, yep. um, where you're going to actually start seeing wellness. Um, we know of two wellness centers, um, not in Canada, that are looking at uh, um, opening up and uh, treating uh, opiate um, abusers. And, and I say abusers, but it, I don't uh, consider them abusers. It's, it's an unfortunate event that mm-hmm. has happened through problems that they have had medically that they have been put in that position. But uh, they're going to be opening these treatment facilities where they can actually work with them uh, utilizing cannabis to, uh, to get them off of the opiates. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't matter what person that you do it with. If you give them enough opiates, they're going. Your body is going to get addicted. It's just, it's just science. And, yeah. And uh, I, yeah. I agree with you that uh, cannabis, um, you know, can and is being used. Um, okay, let's wrap up with this. Uh, we're we're just in the middle of edibles and. Uh, drinks and vapes for, for some provinces. Uh, we still don't have uh, the drinks and the uh, the vapes. Drinks, the yeah. va- vapes here. For, we don't have vapes yet in Alberta either. We do have uh, some edibles, but once we get past that, because there was you know the first season and then I call this season two. What do you think is the next big thing in cannabis after we get past the edibles, vapes, and drinks? Hmm, it's an interesting question. Um, I, I'm hoping it's where we can consume. Yes. Um, I'm hoping 3, 3.0 is now not so much about product, but more about where consumption will happen. Um, because I, I'm really excited to, to see where we can go with, um, the lounges. And I mean, there's been some real legacy players that, um, have, have pushed that and, and have, have done amazing things with that in Canada. Um, and, uh, when we see what they're doing down in California, our team's actually going down in April, um, to do a big highlight of, uh, the cannabis tourism space there. And that's what I'm most excited to, to see and to be able to cover is the, the consumption space and, and what that looks like and, and incorporating restaurants into that. So I'm hoping 3.0 isn't just about product. I'm, I'm hoping it's about where we can consume. Excellent stuff. Wendy, thank you so much for joining me on the Cannabis 101 podcast today. And uh, once again, uh, if people are looking for information for uh, their cannabis-friendly trips, head to hotelscannabis.com. Thanks once again. Enjoy the rest of the week, and I look forward to this industry growing. Thanks and goodbye. What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. Another edition of This Week in Cannabis News with David Wiley from OkanaganZ.com slash OZ. You can give them a follow on Twitter at OkanaganZ and you can follow David at Wiley Writer. I don't know what the weather was like uh, over the last two, three weeks for you guys, but uh, it was so cold here. Minus 15 feels like spring in the Edmonton area, David. How are you? Hello, my friend. It's not minus fifteen. I love how we always uh, we always open by talking about the weather. It's yeah. like it's it's like talking to my dad. Yeah, and yeah. Sometimes I feel like that's the only question that he asks for me. How's the weather out there? Uh, it's it's been warm. 
you know, not it's, minus 25 anymore. It's funny that you say that my dad gives me a weather report every email he sends me. <laughs> um, so it's just, it's just one of those common things. I, I don't imagine we'll be talking about it so much in the summer cause it's beautiful, hopefully, but it gives us a uh, common ground, uh, to complain about the cold, uh, in the winter. Um, let's dive into That's our, we uh, should be talking about it yeah, in the summertime. Maybe we should, how beautiful it is. Let's, let's dive into our <laughs> exactly. first story and there's been some highs and lows for Hexo. Uh, you know, they won the product of the year with their elixir at one point. Uh, and then like other cannabis companies, uh, they, they laid off some employees and, and now there's a lawsuit, uh, in the, in the offing. So, uh, some bumps for Hexo Corp. Hexo's been pretty popular. One of one of Canada's um, biggest licensed producers. Um, they've been doing some things. You mentioned the elixir, and they've been doing some things that other companies haven't been doing, like selling by the ounce, cheap ounces, mm-hmm. uh, and that's brought them a lot of attention. You know, here here we go, seeing the effects of uh, that year long slump, and really, it is impacting. Everybody, case in point, Hexo here, Metafarm Labs has filed a statement of claim in the Ontario Superior Court uh, against the licensed producer. And that claim relates to, uh, among other things, the payment of outstanding amounts of almost $10 million, $9.8 million, um, pursuant to a private label cannabis oil sale agreement that uh, had been made in early 2019. Uh, basically, it's being alleged that they they haven't made a payment since October, and uh, so Metafarm looking for some way to recoup here. This, this is a little bit more complicated too because the deal wasn't initially between Hexo and Metafarm; mm-hmm. it was uh, between New Strike Brands Inc.'s cannabis brand, uh, and they were acquired by Hexo. So Hexo Brass say that they're for their part they're going to uh, vigorously defend themselves against the claim, and they're saying that they've had concerns about this agreement all along. Uh, I don't know how that's going to shape up into a defense against the contract, but I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah, a signed contract uh, seems to trump a lot of other things, and and, and you're right, Hexo. It was a big deal when they acquired New Strike, uh, which is Up Cannabis, is uh, the the Up Cannabis brand, uh, the Tragically Hip. They paid two hundred sixty million dollars uh, last March, and and this deal was signed almost two years ago. So um, I don't know. It was a it was a in relation to a thirty five million dollars supply deal that was announced uh, 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 in February a couple of years ago. So. This is going to be an interesting thing to watch. Um, and uh, it, it's interesting that as we're a couple of years in, um, you know, sort of deals are starting to fall through. So I, I hope that this can be resolved for all parties because no matter what, no matter which way this goes, uh, it's going to look bad on the cannabis industry that there's an in, infighting a little bit. We knew that the honeymoon was over and this is definitely a symptom of it. Um, you know, it's, it's been a, a challenging year. 2019 was a challenging year for the cannabis industry. And yeah, that's when you start to see layoffs and lawsuits and all those bad things. So mm. hoping for, for a better year in 2020, especially with all these cannabis 2.0 products. You and I have uh, talked a lot, David, about the regulations and, you know, what's going to happen with them. Um, something interesting in Ontario. So, 
if you if you've ever been to a winery, you know that you can taste the wine, you can buy the wine, things like that. Same with same with breweries. In spring, Ontario will start to see Farmgate cannabis retail. But there's a bit of a catch with this compared to how the alcohol industry does it, isn't there? There is. If you go to Niagara-on-the-Lake, for instance, you can go to any winery and buy a bottle of wine. I am fortunate enough to live in wine country, and that's something that we do regularly. So uh, before we get into this strange caveat, on the upside, seeing farm-to-table like this, farm-to-gate cannabis retail is awesome. Yes. What a great step in the right direction to be able to go and visit your neighborhood producer uh, is an excellent sign for cannabis tourism um, to go in and be able to buy your cannabis from right there is cool and novel. But this strange caveat in Ontario was pointed out by Global News. And that's that the producers will be legally required to first sell their cannabis to the Ontario Cannabis Store, which is the province's governmental monopoly wholesaler. And then at that point in time, they'll buy it back from the OCS before it can be sold to the consumer. That's a a little bit crazy. And as with all of these things, it's the consumer who's going to lose because obviously there's going to be some resulting price markup. Mm -hmm. We have to sell it and then buy it back. We don't know how much that is going to be. The OCS uh, hasn't said how much that's going to be. There's a small mercy in this, and that's at least cannabis producers in Ontario won't be required to drive their product all the way to the OCS's Oakville warehouse and then all the way back where it started uh, so they can do all this from a distance. Wineries, on the other hand, in Ontario are able to just sell directly to their customers and then uh, having to report their sales to the LCBO. That, to me, seems like the right process here. I don't know why we have to to, uh, just handcuff ourselves in red tape and you know is there really any wonder that the cannabis industry legally here in Canada is having trouble keeping up with black market prices or keeping down with them I guess I should say when you look at these kinds of instances where you just have to jump through how many hoops here yeah it's kind of silly the uh, the one quote I like is from uh, cannabis lawyer Matt Maurer he says, if you have a, quote, if you have a farm gate store and there's no minimum price, what do you need the wholesaler for? And then he continues, I can't think sitting here off the top of my head in a sort of fictional transaction, not a physical transaction, what is the point mm-hmm. of a markup? If that is going to happen solely to get around the existing legislation, which requires it to be purchased from the OCS, then what is the markup for? What is the rationale behind it? And and we may say this see this change or the markup be very minimal, but it does seem uh, like you're jumping through so many hoops. As you mentioned, the end result is good for the consumer, but they're just probably going to have to pay a little bit more uh, in the beginning. And hopefully they, they get this figured out because it's a great idea. It's just the execution seems to have a bit of a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Canopy growth is uh, is pretty diplomatic with its response, it's saying that the full sale and repurchase process gives the uh, gives the market some transparency. Uh, and and Canopy says that they're really talking about a data transfer here. Again, it just seems to be another added layer. Um, I've had a couple of uh, wonderful uh, women in the cannabis industry on my show in the in the past couple of weeks, Raylan Dane from Sundial and Jill Pollard from The Herb Life. And uh, the next story we're diving into is 
is one that is also like you and I trying to normalize cannabis and the stigma, particularly with moms. Um, I mean, uh, the, the great point in this article is that wine o'clock is celebrated while weed o'clock, maybe not so much with moms. And that just comes down to stigma. And, and again, living in the Okanagan where you're going to wineries pretty often out here, you see those wine o'clock things all the time. There's yeah. aprons, there's wine glasses. I, it really is. It's a marketing gimmick. And uh, two Ontario moms, Riley Parrott and Holly Quinn, uh, are the co-founders of a, a Facebook community called Canadian 420 Moms. And that's been really gaining in popularity. It's got about uh, 2,300 members now. And their their whole point is to try and uh, lift the stigma. You know, saying that alcohol really is socially intertwined with being social and having a good time. And nobody bats an eye at, at that. But if you go out to the same group of people and, and you say that you're going to go smoke a joint that night, well, you, you might get a little bit of a different reaction. A lot of parents, me being one of them, are talking about the fact that alcohol and cannabis produce such a different effect. And I've, I have friends who have told me horror stories of growing up in households where their parents uh, are, are alcoholics. And what goes on in the household, the, the, the yelling and the fighting and at times the violence. And I'm not saying that people who use cannabis are immune to that. But what you hear about a lot more often, and I think that these, these groups are trying to put out there, is that if you're going to vape or smoke a joint or eat a cannabis chocolate, you're more likely than anything to sit down with your kids and play video games or build a Lego tower mm-hmm. because that generally is the way that people find the effect. You know, maybe tired mom or tired dad might need to go and lay down and have a nap after. Uh, you know, that's that's <laughs> kids can go and have a nap too. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I've done with mine. Hey, daddy's tired. Everyone's having quiet time now. Mm-hmm. But the more that we as parents can talk about how you know, this is normal, it's okay to come home from a long day at work and, uh, and, you know, go out onto the back porch and, and vape a little bit so they can come in a little more relaxed. I think it's great. And uh, I'm not a mom, but I, I'd love to request uh, to join this 420 mom <laughs> group. Well, it's, it's a little different. Uh, it, you know, if you come home, end of the day, you go out, you have a little bit. Nobody's saying that you have to smoke an ounce of weed uh, out on the back porch <laughs> and then come in. But it's different if you go out and have a little hit or something than coming home and having three fingers of rye or something to take the edge off. It's it, As you mentioned, it is a totally different effect on the mind and the body. And I, I, uh, I wholeheartedly endorse what these ladies are doing. Um, because there are so many people out there that, that, that get the dirty look or the comment behind the back about this and they have no problem throwing back a bottle of wine or a few glasses or whatever. So the hypocrisy is there and these ladies are doing their part to normalize this. And, and, and I, uh, wholeheartedly applaud what they're trying to do. And, and I think there's probably a lot of more people that are going to be joining these groups as they go on or, or forming their own groups. Let's not forget here, too, that cannabis is medicine. And people are, are using this wonderful plant in order to alleviate pain, 
to increase appetite and to relieve anxiety. So there's that whole side of things too. And and let's let's talk just for a quick second too about the rising alcoholism among mm. Canadian women. Yes. As we're normalizing the wine culture. Uh, you know, it's increasing much faster than men. Twenty six percent alcoholism uh, the, the, it's increased 26% that women are dying from alcohol abuse over the last, uh, you know, 17 or so years. And during that same time frame, alcoholism has increased by about 5% among men. Uh, and it's really important to, to, to differentiate between these two things because it, alcohol has a track record of unfortunately causing death and sickness. Yeah, and destruction uh, among families, mm-hmm. uh, as you mentioned earlier. All right, let's end on a high note, pardon the pun, but the <laughs> uh, Miss Universe uh, pageant um, just took place, and uh, Miss Universe Canada, um, she didn't win, Elisa Boston from Windsor, Ontario, but she might have stole the show. She wore a cannabis leaf-themed dress, and... It, this is, uh, you know, this is another way we're seeing, okay, let's normalize it. I mean, five years ago, she might have been arrested uh, for, for doing something, <laughs> and, and I'm being uh, extreme on that, but she might not have been allowed, but she is from a country that has federally regulated and legalized this. She got all the permission, and, um, you know, she uh, she caused a stir in a good way, I think. The costume that she wore was pretty sparkly. Uh, I I remember seeing it too. It looked like a a big peacock yeah. with uh, with cannabis leaves on it, and lots of glitter, and it was definitely attention grabbing. The interesting thing about uh, Alyssa Boston is that she doesn't even use cannabis. Mm-hmm. It's it's not part of of her lifestyle. She says that she was never actually even interested in it. But for her. It's the idea that there is a stigma attached to it, and she wants to do her part in order to to get rid of that stigma. And we're seeing that more and more, where people who may not have an interest in it or in using it may have family members who do, or just are compelled to defend people's um, rights to use it without getting side eye. And this is great to see. She's she's been offered uh, a job with a Windsor-based marketing company called the Canvas Investor, and she's been hired now to speak to at a uh, big a big hemp expo in Denver, Colorado. So she's she's out there and she's spreading the message. It's one that uh, that she said didn't necessarily resonate with everyone during the competition. Mm-hmm. Um, noted in particular, Miss Indonesia, who definitely kept her space and that's partly because the drug laws in Indonesia are are really among the strictest in the world Uh, and people can face hefty fines or minimum jail sentence for four years there Um, but other countries were were markedly supportive of that costume and Miss Uruguay commenting to her that uh, she'd wished that she thought of it first yeah, I, th- I found that very interesting that uh, Miss Indonesia didn't even want to be near the costume when photos uh, were taking place, didn't even want to uh, 
be associated. And I've, I've talked to different people uh, from for, for some different podcasts of mine that are in countries that are strict and they don't want to be associated with me because I do a cannabis podcast. So there is still a lot of fear out there in countries uh, that are, are not as uh, forward thinking. Uh, but this also caught attention for a lot of people. David Spade made a joke about it on, on one of his shows. And uh, so this got out there. You know what? This was going to get more attention than if she came out dressed as uh, Connor McDavid or had a maple leaf <laughs> or maple syrup. You know, this is something that maybe Canada might start uh, being known for as the first um, you know, other than Uruguay, the first uh, big country to legalize. So I applaud this. I think it's great. It has us talking. It had a lot of other people talking. I think this is only good um, for the industry as a whole and, and the, uh, the aura around cannabis. Canada is a world leader, and it's time for us really to show that off on the world stage. I am with you on that. David, thanks so much for joining us once again. You can find okanaganz.com slash OZ, where you will get the uh, latest stories in cannabis. You can sign up for their email and you can follow them on Twitter at okanaganz. And David, you can follow on Twitter at Wiley Writer. Thanks again. Can't wait to talk to you again next week. Thank you. I always love talking to you. By the way, you can, of course, follow us on Twitter at the Cannabis 101. And we thank you very much for doing that. But we're also doing a 420 followers Instagram contest. So hit us up on Instagram at the cannabis 101 podcast. Make sure you're following. And when we hit 420, as far as followers, everybody following us will go into the mix for a cannabis 101 podcast special prize pack. So make sure you're following us. Tell your friends to follow us. They can get in the mix as well, and we'll be giving that away when we hit 420 followers. You got a joint? Uh, no, not on me, man. <laughs> It'd be a lot cooler if you did. Time now for Cannabis Characters. Dopest dope I've ever smoked. Celebrating the best from fictional 420 film. Hey, I am your stoner. <laughs> And beyond. Is it heavy stuff, man? All right, our cannabis characters, uh, our cannabis character is uh, this week Doug Wilson, played by Kevin Nealon from the show Weeds. Uh, just before we get to that, big thanks to uh, General uh, at Josh Sheen83 on Twitter, who uh, chimed in that starburst and pepsi is what he pairs well with cannabis i love it um sometimes uh when you're eating edibles uh you use different things but uh if you're drinking and uh, eating starburst and pepsi with your cannabis all the power to you so doug wilson is the uh, character played by kevin nealon on the show uh that was on showtime called weeds he was an accountant. He was a councilman in the fictional town in California where this show takes place. He's very funny. He's very crude. And he can be very vindictive at times as well. And uh, he's very sarcastic. Then when wildfires break out, it forces a lot of rich people into school gyms and churches. And, um, you know, Doug comes up with a little bit of a ditty. Here's a song by Doug Wilson. Where there's fire, people like to smoke. 
Where there's fire, people like to tow. Oh, where there's fire, we can all get paid. And if we're lucky, maybe we'll get laid. That is funny. Um, Doug always finds uh, the humor in things uh, where even other people don't find the humor. A lot of times, Kevin Nealon's character comes off as dopey, uh, but he is uh, very shrewd. And when the SEC busts him and Nancy, he pulls out the big guns. Because we do not f*** around at the SEC. SEC? I've heard of you guys. Oh, yeah? I should hope so. Yeah, you guys have those federal pension plans tied in with our mainstay fund. What's he talking about? What are you talking about? Burnt orange. I see numbers as color. I'll explain later. Five years ago, Uncle Sam bet your retirement plans on our good judgment. It's all right here in the files. If we go down, you go down. That's right, Meatball. Not only are you going to let the two of us off the hook right here, but you're going to give your bosses in D.C. a ring to make sure that our firm's road to success is paved with the Fed's good graces, plenty of deregulations, and a laissez-faire sense of letting us do our goddamn jobs. Boom. Doug Wilson dropping it. Mic drop, walk out of the room. There you go. Um, But then again, uh, most of the time uh, he is a little bit clueless and you kind of wonder about the things that come out of his mouth, which are hilarious. Power corrupts, Silas. We need to fight the power. Great. How do you propose we do that? We ask ourselves, what would George Hamilton do? What? Why? The man slept with his stepmother when he was 12 years old. Alrighty then. You, you have to know in context, uh, he, he looked, trying, he was trying to look like George Hamilton um, because he was reading a book about George Hamilton's uh, success. It, it's a fun show if you like cannabis, which I'm guessing you do if you're listening to this show. Doug Wilson, played by Kevin Nealon on Weeds, is our cannabis character. And just back to our cannabis question about, um, you know, maybe your favorite cannabis-infused meal, the Butter Chef, who was a guest on this show, and I would love to get out to Vancouver and uh, do some uh, fine dining cuisine with the Butter Chef. Uh, says, uh, we put on a six-course plant-based fine dining dinner last year. That was an awesome one. So there you go. Beautiful stuff. Our cannabis question once again. Um, tell me about your fine dining or just your your cannabis infused. Doesn't have to be fine dining. Your cannabis infused meals, not just edibles, not just chocolate bars or chewables or things like that. Actual meal. Tell us about it, and you could win yourself a cannabis one hundred and one podcast prize pack. Don't forget, use the promo code cannabis one hundred and one, all one word when you go to lobogene.com to get 50% off of a DNA kit from Lobo Genetics, get your cannabis use tailor-made for you. It's basically like having your own bud tender. Really like to thank Wendy Forwell, CEO of Cannabis Hotels, for joining us on the program, and David Wiley from Okanagan Z for bringing us this week in Cannabis News. I hope you enjoyed the program. Please, if you did, subscribe and leave us a review. And don't forget to check out our Cannabis 101 podcast YouTube channel. We also have something on The Weed Tube. If you haven't checked out that, give that a Google. The Weed Tube 
is very cool. We have channels on YouTube and the Weed Tube. No cameras this week, unfortunately. Uh, just uh, tinkering a few things. Uh, the operation will be back up uh, and running again next week. If you'd like to advertise and be a part of the show as a guest or an advertiser, send me an email, cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. Cannabis101podcast at gmail.com. Remember, it's not just about getting high, it's about getting healthy. This is the Cannabis 101 Podcast, your guide through the legalization and consumption of cannabis in Canada and beyond. Thank you.